Praise the Lord God. I want you to take your Bibles with me, if you will, and let's go to Matthew. Matthew this morning, the 15th chapter. You guys can adjust that air however it's pleasing to you. I, uh, <laughs> I, I will tell you, I uh, turned it up a little bit because it was a little toasty in here. All right. All right. I want you to take your Bibles, as, as I said. Let's go to Matthew 15. We're going to begin reading in verse 21. I want to I want to bring the second half of the message that I preached a couple of weeks ago. As we continue on this theme, we don't shrink back. And what we've discovered, and I have some of these uh, declarations still here, the daily declaration. I believe, church, that you will move in the direction that you declare. If you want to declare fear and hopelessness and despair, guess where you're going to find yourself at? It's just like Lot set his tent toward what? Sodom. Where did he end up? He ended up in Sodom. I want you to set your tents toward the Lord and begin to move in that direction. And you do so by the things you declare. So it's not just uh, it's not formulaic. It is, it is powerful when we begin to move in those directions. So these are available for you, just a daily declaration. But we don't shrink back. And I think we're going to have to have that that measure of, of God's tenaciousness to set our face like a flint. Why? Because you are important, and more importantly, your children are important. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start back here in Matthew 15 as we see a, a Canaanite woman, a Syrophoenician woman who is outside the covenant people, but we discover in her that her determination will determine her daughter's deliverance. Her determination will determine her daughter's deliverance. And I believe, parents, in this house, you've got to have that kind of tenaciousness when it comes to your children. It is your Jerusalem first, then Judea, then Samaria, then the uttermost parts of the world. You need to be a witness in your house before you're a witness on the street. You need to have the kind of determination that you're going to lead your children in a method, in a, in a lifestyle that's going to lead them to Christ. That you need to co- be committed to the level that you believe they need to be committed. See, because the, the world, when my parents brought me into the world, the world has not gotten better. It has not improved. It has got progressively worse. So what I'm looking at is not my generation, I'm looking at my children's generation, and I'm looking ahead to my grandchildren's generation. So it's not just about me. It's not just about you. It's about the generations that are following. With that said, I want you to look in Matthew 15, verse 21 through 28. Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from the region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed, demonized. But he answered her, Not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Now, unfortunately, in today's seeker-sensitive society, that one little expression that you may not even understand would drive most of you out of the house. Because you believe that you have adopted an ideology and a theology that you should never be challenged in, and you call that challenge offense. And she said, yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs from which fall from the master's table. Love her spirit. Love her attitude. You said no, That means an acronym for negotiable options. (laughs) Then Jesus answered and said, O woman, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter 
her daughter was delivered. She was healed. She was sozoed from that very hour. My God, that gives me hope. It gives me joy. It gives me rest. It gives me, it gives me the, the understanding that if I will persistently pursue God, and there is a real possibility that generations that follow will come to know the Lord. And even though you may have raised them right and they're not where they should be right now, you're not going to give up. You're going to keep pressing in and pressing on because you house within you their greatest hope. So we look here to the Word of God, and, and last time I preached this, I thought, how did, she, how did she know? Well, Mark gives us an indication, said that he was trying to conceal himself to get into a house, and she heard that Jesus was going into the house. Mark 7, you can find the story there. But I want you to notice something here. Her plea. Her plea. If we don't get through all of this today, we'll come back to it, but I want you to she said, Lord, have mercy on me. Lord, have mercy on me. Now, was she taking an intercessory role and she was giving voice to the voiceless? That her daughter could not come with her to that place, possibly? That she couldn't get her daughter out of the house because of her disruptive, chaotic, self-afflicting, torturous behavior she couldn't get her daughter to Jesus and she's making the appeal on behalf of her daughter was it was it an intercessory role you know you look at Nehemiah and you discover that he he takes the intercessory role there and he said Lord it was our sin I pray Lord that you would forgive us and take us back to the place of promise as he's living in captivity and he was including himself on that intercessory role. My God, if we could just take a minute and realize that, look, God, we may not be the one tortured. We may not be the one diseased. We may not be the one who is in ill health. We may not be the one walking the halls of the school. We may not be the, the family down the street. But, oh, my God, can we give voice to the voiceless, those that cannot make it out there themselves? That's a possibility. Or could it be this Syrophoenician woman who grew up in a culture of demonized worship? Who, this woman who, who comes from the very region that Jezebel came from. This woman whose, whose ancestral lineage links back to Jezebel's uh, Baal worship that wanted to destroy the covenant people of God and cut off the heads uh, of the prophetic voice in that day. She came from that lineage. And all of this temple prostitution and all the perverseness uh, that was taking place in her land even to date where she was living, could her actions led to her daughter's demise? Could her behavior been what led to the demonization of her daughter? And she is crying out to God in the infamous grace and mercy of the Lord. She said, oh God, have mercy on me. What is she saying? Don't hold my sins to my account, Lord God. Could it be, oh Lord, that I'm pursuing you? I didn't know what I was doing. I was blinded by my sin. I was blinded by my culture. I thought it was all about comfort and convenience. And Lord, getting, getting all, of the, all of your needs met. I didn't know religion was actually a, a, a detriment to relationship some of you are sitting in this house today and you have a privileged opportunity to live a life before your kids it's not about your call it is about your children's call it's about what my grandbabies are going to do for the kingdom of God it's not about me it's what my children will do for the kingdom of God it's not about me I'm pleading with you. Lead your families, mothers and fathers with vision. 
commit to the level you want them committed to go as far as you believe they should go do what you know to do lead your family with vision if you start compromising it's time we stop following our children and start leading them we live in a cultural society that follows every whim of the kids. And the kids are completely confused. They don't know who they are because there is no identity in the home. And so they go and we follow them. Oh, you're a boy, but you feel like a girl. We'll help you with that. If you're a girl and you feel like a boy, we'll help you with that. But it didn't start there. It started way, way, way back there. There's no question in my children's mind where would we be Sunday and where would we be Wednesday and where would we be the next week. It wasn't an option. I didn't give a rip if, they, if the ideology said that I don't bring them to the house because I, I don't want them to resent it. But you take them and you throw them in schools every single day and they don't resent that. And there's coming a day, whether you realize it or not, you're going to boot their little butts out the door and you're going to go tell them, go get a job. You don't resent that. I did not want to raise my children to be good citizens in the world only. I did not want to raise them to be productive citizens and hard workers in, in life only. I believe that's important. I wanted influencers and kingdom builders and children that will rise up. So in order for that to happen, I had to lay a foundation. And I said, look, you're not, I may not do everything right. And by God's grace, I won't destroy you. But one thing we're going to do, as for me and my house, we're going to serve God. And we're going to serve to the level that God wants us to serve. Because when God saved me, he not only saved me, he saved the future generation in the hope that they would have. I'm intentionally and purposely taking over the youth. Today will be Devin and Bella's last day. We got something for them at the end. But I'm calling out the call that's in these young people's lives. I'm investing in them because I believe they're important. I believe that they are the generation that's going to rise up. I believe that they are the generation that's going to win their schools. They, they have a call. These are your future leaders. But see, every effort I put forth will have no effect on your kids if they don't show up you got to get them here, mamas and daddies. That means you may have to clock out a minute early. It means you might need to show up on a Wednesday night. Because it will do no good if you don't do any good. If you do not commit yourself to the call of your children's life, it doesn't matter how much. It doesn't make any difference how much we pour into them to say, I don't want you to go down that road of ruin. Please hear what God has in store. It'll do no good. So this lady comes and she says to the Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. So parents, you still have an opportunity right now where you're at with your children or young to begin to walk. And let me tell you, there's so much more power in your words. There's so much more power in your words when they're backed by action. You can't just preach to them. You've got to live it before them. They know the difference and they will not tolerate inauthentic expression of faith. They want to see your faith. You need to live out your faith in front of them. They need to see you in the Word. They need to hear your voice in prayer. They need to know that you are committed to this and that if troubled times come you don't avert and run back to where you once came from. Oh no, you've drawn that line. You're not going back to that pig pit. You're going after God. See, because what happens and what has happened repeatedly is a satanic structure of the devilish kingdom and that is this. He infiltrates relationships within the home and he begins to destroy those relationships through the will of the, of the parents. He can't do anything but what you allow him to do. 
Who will the devil use? The same one God's will, God will use. Nothing is accomplished in this world outside the Lord's design, and when that is humanity in this domain, okay? So all sin that came about was not the result of God. It was a result of man's choice to disobey God. Man brought death into the world, not God. But see, he shows us there, there's a consequence to your actions. If you do this, you get that. Don't do this, and you won't get that. You teach your kids. That's what we should be teaching them. Cause and effect, cause and effect, cause and effect. Let me just say to you, those that wring their fist at God and you're angry with the Lord because he doesn't fill all of your wish list and he's not doing everything you want him to do in order to validate and make you look better, feel better, do better, be the business person of the year, have all the promotions, and you're shaking your fist in the face of God and said, Lord, if you don't answer my expectations, then I'm not going to follow you anymore. You're acting like a spoilt child and you are an infantile when it comes to faith. But what would happen if God did not put a cause and effect in place? You think our world is bad now? There would be no limit to the fall of man. There would be no end to his destruction. It, it is appalling the things that happen in our world today. And the cover is being pulled back. And we see all of the, of the trafficking of humans. We see all of the destructions. And we, 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 we see the, the nations that are bringing, and bringing people in oppression over and over and over again. What would have happened if God would not have put that merciful thing called effect in place? You would continue in your sin without any remorse, any regret, any other thought, destroying everyone and everybody around you. People could walk straight into your home and blow you away and nothing would be done about it because it wouldn't even matter. You see, it's the mercy of God that he puts effect on the cause. You see, here's a woman here. In the sadistic scheme of the enemy is to hurt an individual so deeply that that hurt becomes their consuming thought. And he doesn't mind religion. In fact, he welcomes it. Because he wants you to be religious in that you got to work yourself out of that place. you got to work yourself out of that hurt. And so we don't, we don't market it that way. We don't think about it in our own mind. What we do is we go out and we try to validate the old man. I thought my success story would be I would rags to riches and I would go from I didn't have greatly high aspirations. I just wanted a good, steady job. And I thought success would be if I have a flat tire, I can go buy a new one. <laughs> and I thought ultimate success would be is I could go out and buy four new tires at a time. You know, and I would have a roof over my head. And I would just, I would get so far away from my past that, that, that and I would be validated. I would be validated. And that's all I aspired to. Is just have a, a, a little measure of success so that I wouldn't have to worry about all the other things around. But unfortunately, I was the worst enemy to my own plan because I kept self-destructing and self-destructing and self-destructing, and I couldn't escape. And it wasn't until the moment that I came to the realization that when I crucified with Christ and I died to self and he resurrected on the inside of me, I, 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 he started me on a journey where now I'm not trying to validate myself. And so he stopped those actionable behaviors inside of me to set me on a new path. It, it doesn't mean that you know everything overnight, but you're starting with a new motivation. You're moving in a new direction. God is showing you things that you otherwise would not know. But see, what happens, unfortunately, as my grandfather was an alcoholic, my father was an alcoholic and drug addict, and lo and behold, this hurting grandfather produced a hurting grandson, and that hurting son produced another hurting son. And so addiction began to follow my family. Until there was a line drawn in the sand. Well, see, I've been eyewitness to human behavior for 
the dimes that we've been as you have been eyewitness of human behavior. And the sadistic plan is is the enemy brings hurt into the home through rejection, unacceptance, leads you to believe that you don't deserve anything other than what has been handed down to you. And through your nature, you begin to act out in that. And I have watched people that are so trapped in hurt in the church, not outside the church, in the church so trapped in hurt that they take that hurt and they pass it on to their child. So that hurt that was passed on to them becomes such a hurt that they, if they do not find the completed work of Christ, and this happens more so outside the church, but we find people take that hurt and it consumes so much of their time. So much of their energy level. So much of the resources. They don't know what to do with it. And unbeknownst to them, and not even, des- not even a desire of theirs, they will take that hurt and they will start producing hurt in their children. And those children grow up and become parents. And now those parents who have inherited those children, they become parents, they take that hurt and now they pass that on to their children. And it's just an endless rotation in cycle that keeps destroying and destroying and destroying. That's on the gross. But there's also the net. What's the gross in the net? The gross is what, what your check looks like before Uncle Sam reaches in. What you take home is the net. But see, on the same, the same scale, you can take your insecurities that you receive from a childhood hurt, and you can so nurture that and nurture that and nurture that and nurture that and hold on to it and hold on to it and hold on to it that next thing you know, it becomes a part of your genome, and you can pass that on to the next generation. And that next generation is full of fear because... You're full of fear. You have an awesome responsibility. So this woman comes and she says, have mercy on me. Lord, have mercy. Have mercy. Now the other parents that are in here, you're like, my God, I didn't know. I didn't know the unknowable. This has been a mystery to me. I didn't know that I thought success was when when God just shined his his favor on me and when I performed, people would applaud. And thus I'm validated. Thus I'm successful. God's not interested in your success. He's already successful. He's interested. He is. He's not looking at the pinnacle of all the success in the world. He's not looking for another outlet for success. He's not interested in that. What he's interested in is sons and daughters. He's interested in becoming your heavenly father. He's interested in bringing you into the fold. He's interested in being the fullness in your life. He's interested because he has come, he has lived, he has died. He rose again so that we can come and we can die so that we can rise again. See, there was such a relief in my heart when I stopped trying to elevate myself. <laughs> when, I, when I got out of the fixer-upper attitude about my behavior, and I measured whether I did good or bad during the week, and that was the, that was the scale. And I let God enter in and truly sozo me. That word save is sozo, but it's so much richer in the, in the Greek. And sozo means he's, he saved you. He's delivered you. He's healed you. 
and he's brought you to a place of safety. What is the place of safety? It's him. It's him. See, so there's a... Some of you right now are starting to realize the amount of time you spend consumed with yourself. You're starting to realize how, how many decisions you've made as a result of what has happened to you through the years. You're starting to understand that, wait a minute, and you start to, there's parents in here right now, and you're realizing that, that you, you, maybe there's 1%, but there's probably 95 plus percent in your life uh, that your children are where they're at because of the decisions you made not to follow God. And you're living out that unfortunate reality, but I assure you, because just if I've seen the suffering of man, I've seen the faithfulness of God. And the faithfulness of God, he can take all of that and what he can do this through cultivation. He can take that and he can put it back together and it could be better than you could ever imagine. He's not a wasteful God. He is a, he's not only a restorer, but he brings restitution. He will put back all the years that were lost and stolen, just like all the years in my personal life with my, with my childhood. The Lord not only restored me from, from that broken wretch, uh, individual that I was in a home, but he gave me a new timeline. I'm not the who I was. He put me on a new path, and now I can stand before you and say, I can look at my wife, I can look at my children, I can look at my grandchildren, and the Lord has far more exceeded all of my expectations. He brings restitution. If you will take the seed, you take a watermelon seed and put it in the ground, let me tell you, it doesn't just produce more seeds, it produces watermelons, and in that watermelon are fields of watermelons and you can take that and understand if you'll take the seed and begin to cultivate God will bring the change amen and young people you can do it right now where you're at you can change the course of your destiny right now and I would encourage you that you would do that and your children's destiny and I don't know why the Lord put it in my heart even when as a child I would just cry out to the Lord that I would ask, I, I would just, maybe wasn't crying out to the Lord, maybe I was just crying, thinking in my mind, not even knowing it was God invoking me, telling me that life doesn't have to be this way always. You don't have to live in constant state of fear all the time. You don't have to live in insecurity and doubt and worry all the time. You can actually rise up through the power of God and move out of this. So she said, just captivated my thought, have mercy. Have mercy. Have mercy on me. I think she was giving voice to the voiceless, but I also believe that she was taking responsibility. Her behavior. As I've told you last time, it's no boast or brag, it's just the grace of God. God saved me before I had children. Of course, she was pregnant with Laney, but anyway, before they stepped on the ground, okay, they were on the earth, but not on the ground. And I would just plead with the Lord, make me the daddy, make me the husband. And I would even tell the Lord, make me the grandfather. Because see, I was living a life, but I was looking down here. I wasn't just living in the moment. I was looking down there. I was sowing seeds here because I wanted to get there. I wanted to get over there. I wanted to see my children. And so we began to nurture their call, not infusing upon them the things we wanted them to do as far as the call of God. But we would recognize their call, and we would begin to nurture that. But we never, even when my son went into full-time ministry, we, mom and I, we said nothing. I knew from the first time I looked at him, he was called to preach. But I didn't say anything to him. Why? What I did was just, neither one of us, we didn't know if he was ready. We didn't know if he was, we knew his call, we didn't know he was ready. Sometimes we stick him out there before they're ready. I said, this is a decision you're going to have to make. And lo and behold, 
He is called. And God made him ready. <laughs> but it didn't just start in a moment. It was a lifetime. Amen? Is this helping anybody? See, her determination would determine her daughter's deliverance. How determined are we to see our children delivered? How determined are we to see our children delivered out of this world into the place that God has in store? I know as I say this, I can feel your hearts and you're almost to the point and you're like, there's nothing more I can do. I've got to give up. I have gone too far. I've done too much. I have, I have screwed everything up. You know what? I heard this statement the other day, and I believe it to be true. See, God is a God of multiple chances. He'll give you chance after chance after chance. The problem is, is we are only good for about two. And then we quit. Too much, too far, can't do it. But I believe there's a holy tenaciousness that God will infuse in your heart when you surrender and say, we're not going back. When my daughter went off the reservation, I went to God. And I said, oh, no, this is not what we signed up for. I'm holding the promises of God. And we will not. We will not let go until she gets back. I will fast. I will pray. I will call out to God. I will break the strongholds. Devil, you're going to get off my family and get away from them they belong to the Lord there was a determination that there will be a generation that rises up and my God if we mothers and fathers in Israel if we don't get to the place where we start crying out to the voiceless generation that are demonized in a place where they cannot find their way out and if we don't go to the Lord with that kind of determination we will lose an entire generation you don't know that you might have the next Billy Graham under your roof. You may not know that you may have the next Carrie Job as a worship leader under your roof. You don't know that you may not have a Reinhardt Bonke sitting right at your table. You might be wiping the butt of the next Reinhardt Bonke. Are you hearing me? There's no limit on God. There's no limit on God. How do you know that? I look in the mirror. He can do anything he wants to do. Are you hearing it? You know what the Lord is saying? I'm having mercy on you. I have mercy on you. She asked for mercy. I'm going to give you mercy for your children. It wasn't she wasn't asking the right question. She asked the right question. Have mercy. God said, I got mercy. What is mercy? Judgment's warranted, but a pardon is given. I'm not, I'm not holding you to task, lady. I'm going to expedite this thing a little bit quicker, and we may come back to it. thought I'd get through it today. But you find out, if she comes to the Lord, and we talked about last time, you have to go back and listen. I'm not going to rehearse that. The Lord didn't answer her right away. He didn't answer her. There's silence. When he sowed the seed, there's some silent time. You just wait on the fruition, fruition of that seed. Just because you sow a seed today doesn't fix everything tomorrow. Because maybe you're reaping the seeds that you sowed yesterday. <laughs> So just keep sowing the seeds, and one day it'll, you'll walk out of that. Turn out right. And the Lord's interested in the long plan, not the short one. We give, you know, we just like, okay, parenting, let's appease them now. No, sometimes they don't need appeased. Sometimes they need little tails whipped, amen? Let's not talk about that right now. I want to move on. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm rabbit trailing. So... The Lord didn't answer her right away. But she kept coming. She kept coming. If we don't know the inner workings, we only have what the Scripture tells us. The Scripture tells us that she just kept crying out and crying out. But she would not be, she would not be silenced by the silence. 
She, she wasn't going to quit. She wasn't going to quit coming. There was time when my kids were off the reservation, and I didn't, I just, because it was silent, didn't mean I didn't keep pursuing. And then the disciples were like, hey, won't you just give her what she wants? <laughs> Get her away from us. She's an annoyance. We're in a Gentile land. What are we doing here? What are we doing here? It almost feels like the Lord is, Jesus is just being cold and indifferent. But there's more that's going on working here. So there seems that she, he's being cold and indifferent. And she just keeps coming after him, coming after him. And finally, when she didn't know, he, he turned and he, he spoke. I'm called to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. She thought, I got him. I got him beyond the silence. I got a word now. He's at least talking to me. She didn't know where to go, so she just went lower. She just got low. She, she, the Bible says that she fell down and began to worship him. Because her religion is what brought her daughter into demonization, is my belief. And she knew from uh, eyewitness accounts of others uh, that God was more than able. The Lord Jesus, uh, as she called him David, uh, son of David, she was declaring him the Messiah. Even though she didn't live in a world that worshipped Messiah, she understood that he had the power over the demonic forces uh, because others had witnessed to her that, hey, my son was set free, your daughter can be set free. And so she went after him uh, and thought, there is the answer to my daughter, and I'm going to keep going. My determination will determine her deliverance, uh, and I will not stop until she's delivered and now he is now speaking this is progress so oh you lost sheep of the house of Israel I will fall at your feet and I will begin to worship you the word literally means she began to kiss his feet I will worship you I don't know where to go go lower you don't know where to go in your family go lower Amen. Take the lower seat and say, oh God. And then the Lord turned and said, look, look, it's not fitting for me to take the children's bread and cast it to the little dogs, the puppies. She thought, oh, man, this is good. Now, now you put me in the house. <laughs> now, I may be under the table, but my God, I am under the table. Amen. So what you did is you just included me. You just included me in the house. It wasn't just a reference of, of uh, the Lord was using an analogy we didn't understand, but it was still, I, I, it's still offensive. Come on. If I come and call, call you a puppy, that's worse than being a dog. Amen. <laughs> you wink a little, ur, 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 you know what I'm saying? If I'd done that to your dog, some of you would be like, I'm on him, like ugly on ape. I'm... She's in the house now. Yeah. But the puppy's got to eat too. Puppy's got to eat too. I'm not asking you to take from the children's bread. I just take a crumb. Because your crumb that comes from you is better than the buffet that the world would put out in front of me. I just, just give me the crumbs. Let it fall from the table. And the Lord turns to her and said, Oh, oh woman, great is your faith. Now, as you look at that, you got to look at the, you got to Paul Harvey and see the rest of the story. See, so what's, what's happening here? See, the longer you wait, it should not negate your faith. It should grow your faith. If you're doing it right. I know that wait start, hate, rhymes with hate and we hate to wait and all that business. But it's in that waiting. It's in that waiting that God binds us together and he, he, he puts us, there's, there's just more resolve that takes place inside of us when we have to wait on a promise and it's not just instantaneous and the Lord knows all of that and, and she's here and I don't know how many that might have called out upon God but then they they quit because they the Lord didn't answer them immediately and so they just walked away from the from the very 
promise that God had in store. And that promise uh, and the cause was so much uh, greater than, than any, any of her, her offensive nature or, or her pride or her arrogance. And so she just kept pressing in and pressing in and getting lower and getting lower. And then when, when, when the grace of God was, was sealed over his precious lips, but then when he began to speak because his compassion was reaching further than his, his, his duty here upon earth. And what I mean by that is this. See, in order for Christ to become the Savior of the world, he had to first fulfill the Mosaic law. He had to become the fullness of the law. Not fulfill the law, but he was the fullness of the law. He had to come into the place, and he had to be the sacrifice that ended all sacrifices. In the covenant plan that his father showed him. So he wasn't pushing her back because he wanted, let me say that differently. He was on task. Mission. But he always responds to faith. And there was a working here of a miracle in her and in the disciples. The working was he was pressing, she was pressing in. She got herself in the house. Just a crumb. Just get me in the gate. Get me and open the door and I'll come. So she's in the house. See, the disciples, they just wanted to give her what she needed and make her go away. Give them a loaf of bread and send them down the street. Get them a tank of gas and send them on their way. I don't want to hear all that. Just give them what they want. So he said to her, Woman, great is your faith. You had faith in the Messiah. Your daughter is delivered. Just like that. The rest of the story, Jesus went on the coast of Sea of Galilee. The Gentile regions, even the gospel tells us he was in the region, the, the, the Decapolis. They began to deliver people and heal them. Then, I, I didn't know this, interesting note. The Lord fed the 5,000. Those were all Jews. But at the end of this chapter, after he leaves this woman, faith is now releasing into that region. Those 4,000 individuals that God fed with the loaves and the fish were Gentiles. <laughs> wow. So it wasn't just about the Lord keeping silent over a, a, a girl, but his interest was in generations and nations, and he was showing his disciples it's about more. See, they're pressing in. They're doing things that you wouldn't do as a covenant people. They're moving in because you wouldn't move in. Oh, he told, he marveled the Lord twice. Once when he went to his hometown with his home people, and he marveled over their unbelief. But the other marveling was not, didn't come from an Israelite. He came from a Roman centurion soldier. When he said, Lord, don't come into my house just send the word. And the Lord had already healed the, the, the centurions. I looked at the chronological order of his healing. And he had already healed the centurion servant by sending the word. I don't know if she got that word or not. But she didn't bring her daughter to the feet of Jesus. But she said, if you'll just say it, it'll happen. So you're telling me that every day I'm walking in destiny. Yes, your destiny, your children's destiny, your future's destiny. You mean to tell me every time that I take in the Word of God and I believe what God says and I let faith begin to initiate and I begin to display the manifestation of the glorious Son of God that now that my efforts and energies on a daily basis are going to cause a transformation of other generations, that's exactly what I'm telling you. Did you get all that? Young people, the greatest hope for your school is you. Not the school board. We need godly leadership in our country from the highest level all the way down to the lowest. But folks, let me say to you today, it's got to start here. It's got to start now. Parents, 
greatest future that you can hope for in your children is you living out the life of wholehearted surrender and saying, God, I welcome the crucible. Burn up in me whatever needs to burn up, remove in me whatever needs to be removed because, God, I am about mission, and my mission is to see my family and future generations come to God. It's time to get out of the fix-up mode and start getting into the wholehearted surrender to worshiping God. And you know, if you're unwilling to do that, I'm going to say this. If you're not willing to lead your family in righteousness, then self is at the center of your heart. And you are living a selfish, self-centered life. Is that too tough? I don't know that we've been tough enough, folks. Because we look around us and we see a generation that have no idea who they are. Have no idea who they are. And we've given them over to convenience. Because ultimately we didn't want to do it to start with. Because our heart wasn't in it. God's calling you out. Grandparents, your job is not finished until you lose your mind or you step all across the line. Are you hearing me? You're not retired from the kingdom. It was a grandfather that I never met, a great-grandfather of Andrea, that I'm the reason, he's the reason I'm here today. Because his time-traveling prayers met me on a day. He called me into the kingdom before I was even in existence. Amen? I love you. And I want to see, I want to see, I want to see you lay down the hurt and stop hurting. I want you to lay down the fear and stop being afraid. I want you to step into a place that God has designed for you in him. Worship team, make your way up. Father, thank you, Lord, for your merciful kindness. Thank you, Lord God, for this day that you have made. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done and continue to do. Liz ducked out. Somebody go get her and bring her back. Father, we magnify your name. I want you to stand all across this room today. Lance, would you go back and grab Carol? Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we thank you. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we magnify you. With your heads bowed today. Your heads bowed today. You're in this house. You're tired of nursing this hurt. You're honestly to the place that you're just tired of nursing it. You didn't even realize that that was what it was. This cloud of confusion that's rested over you. If that's you today and you say, I want, I want to walk out of this place different. I want to surrender that to God today. Let Him sit down in my heart tell me what to do that you just put your hand up to the Lord right now right now right now right now all the disappointment all the despair doesn't matter how young or old you are father I ask in the name of the living God that you right now Lord God would bring such a healing upon those hearts that, Lord won't be another moment wasted Lord God and another life wasted, and another, another, another instant, Lord God, where the enemy would find a stronghold. Lord, I pray that you will remove the thorns in the hearts today. That, Lord, those thorns of hurt that have been so diabolical, Lord God, and destructive, those thorns of insecurity, those thorns of fear, those thorns, Lord, abuse and 
Lord God, that it will not pass on. And Lord, we pray that you will change, God, the very DNA in the families, Lord, that you will bring transformation to them. In Jesus' name. Now, with your heads bowed, you put your hands down. If you're a parent today and you say, oh, my God, I need God's help. I need God's help either to lead my family where they're at, at at a young age. Maybe you still have kids in the house. Or you're saying, Lord, I need help to rescue my children from the things that they're into now. Just lift your hands before the Lord. I believe there's going to be a grace that's released to you as you reach out by faith. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray that there would be an infusion, Lord God, an energy and a determination, Lord God, by the grace of God. But Lord, that there will be mothers and fathers and fathers and mothers, Lord, to begin to lead their children in a path of righteousness for your namesake. Lord, we believe that right now, Lord God, that those prodigals that are outside, Lord God, that, Lord, hasten them to the pig pen and let them awaken to the goodness of the Heavenly Father. And, Lord God, let them return to the house. Let relationships be restored. Let those, Lord God, that are living in a false identity, Lord God, whose identity has been stolen, Lord, let it be renewed inside of them that they know who they are in you. Lord, return them to the house in Jesus' name. And Lord, I believe that, Lord God, you're going to put a tenaciousness, Lord, a determination, Father, in the parents today. Lord, to see the generations rise up, Lord God. Lord, we thank you for your mercy. We thank you, Father, for your goodness today. In Jesus' name, amen.